Isaiah 55, we're reading the entire chapter. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come. Ye buy and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? and your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. Interesting, isn't it, in verse 2? There's um, obviously the salvation aspect of this. But it's interesting, you labor for that which satisfieth not. Isn't there a truth there that in any of your labors, there ought to be satisfaction? If you are driven to constantly labor, but there's no satisfaction, something's wrong with your labor. Okay? So just a little side there, um, that a little truth that's embedded there, certainly the ungodly seeking the satisfaction, the comfort, the peace in their soul. They labor in all kind of ways to, to gain that, and they don't get it. But even in our physical, temporal 
realm. When we labor for that which satisfieth not, something's wrong with our labor. All right, not what our lesson's about today, so we'll stop there. I am back at chapter 21, and I want to take just a minute, if I may, to point out a few things from the handout last week about the Sabbath day, the statutes about the Sabbath day. Before I do that, and if you will bear with me, I want to read you, and I'll get a copy of this one for you as well, but I want to read you language in the statute back in 1712, 1712. There's a couple more of guides, 1703, 1704. But I want you to listen to the language, and this same reason I, I gave out those statutes, and, and I want to take a minute, just uh, a few minutes, to look at those statutes. Not so much just for the sake of the statutes and what there was and what there is, but just the mindset of civil government, okay? The mindset, as it were, of the world relative to the Sabbath day, right? And again, bear with me. I just want to read this, uh, the first part where the um, they were enacting this Law concerning the Sabbath day in 1712. This is civil government. Listen to this. Whereas there is nothing more acceptable to God than the true and sincere service and worship of him according to his holy will and that the holy keeping of the Lord's day is a principal part of the true service of God, which in many places of this province is so much profaned and neglected by disorderly persons. Now, that's the preamble to this act. You couldn't find language like that in a lot of Protestant churches today. And an understanding, a a, a holding to that kind of truth. So, with that preamble... Be it therefore enacted by the most noble prince, Henry, Duke of Beaufort, Palatine, and the rest of the true and absolute lords and proprietors of this province, by and with the advice and consent of the rest of the members of the General Assembly, now met at Charlestown, Charlestown, for the southwest part of this province, and by the authority of the same, that all... And every person and persons whatsoever shall on every Lord's day apply themselves to the observation of the same. By exercising themselves thereon in the duties of piety and true religion, publicly and privately, and having no reasonable or lawful excuse on every Lord's day, shall resort to their parish church or some other parish church or some meeting or assembly of religious worship tolerated and allowed by the laws of this province and shall there abide orderly and soberly during the time of prayer 
and preaching on pain and forfeiture for every neglect the sum of five shillings current money of the province. You didn't go to church, you paid a fine. And it goes on to uh, provide for abstaining from labor on the Lord's Day, not to travel on the Lord's Day, no sports on the Lord's Day, no public houses to entertain on the Lord's Day, not to make any of your servants work on the Lord's Day, And there are others, other things here. And uh, much the same Let me read the, the, the preamp the, the first part of this act. This one, 1703, well, an act of 1704. An act for the more effectual preservation of the government of this province by requiring all persons that shall hereafter be chosen members of the Commons House of Assembly and sit in the same to take the oaths and subscribe the declaration appointed by this act and to conform to the religious worship in this province according to the Church of England and to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper according to the rites and usage of the said church. It goes on in here to say you were elected as a member of the governing body. If you had not taken, if you had not partaken of the Lord's Supper for a period of 12 months before that, you couldn't vote on any matters coming before the civil government until you had taken and received the sacrament, the Lord's Supper. Now, you know, I can, I, I, you can't legislate morality, right? You can't force it in the church. Only God can work on the heart. And, and you know, are there pros and cons here? Yes, there are. You know, we have a separation of church and state, and there, it's a valid separation. It's not that the church is not to influence it's not that the civil government's not to receive and, and to appreciate, to support, as we see in Scripture. And we'll consider some of the things that we're, we're looking at and talking about here. But I just find it interesting that just 150, in this case, a couple of hundred years ago, there was such an appreciation for the importance of the Lord's day is to guard it and to, as it were, force society to partake or to receive or to observe and thereby receive the benefits of this day. And they, they, they express that. So it's um, worth our consideration, and in this day and age, and we'll see, we're going to just briefly, like I say, look through these statutes that I handed out to you last week. But we see a, a moving away uh, of, 
from the language of a lot of this, and perhaps <coughs> rightly so. You, you picked up in there Church of England, and Church of England was very strong and very demanding um, in, in its religious authority. And the Church of England was not who should have been in charge of religion. Right? But <coughs> I think it's important for us to consider for our own good, not to lament where we've come to in this day and age so much as to consider in our own heart where we are compared to where they were a couple hundred years ago. Right? So as we go through this, don't sit and say, oh boy, man, the government sure has messed up. If anybody's messed up, it's the church. Right? It's not up to the civil government to make this happen. It's up to the church to lead the way in this. But at the same time, the important thing is, and we've I've said this several times, and I'll say it again, the keeping of the Sabbath day is first and foremost a matter of your own heart and your relationship to God, searching the scripture to find out what the day is for, and then using it for that. And no one else, oh, the preacher will get up and preach, and that's a help to us. And we come, and we worship, and we sing together, and that's a help to us. But you're observing the Lord's Day, and we'll see in some of this in, in, our, in our catechism questions. It's what you're doing in your heart, not what you're doing sitting in a pew. Sitting in the pew is good. I'd rather you be here than sitting at home. But you might be just as well off sitting at home if your heart's not here worshiping. In fact, you might be better off. Because sitting here with your heart in the wrong place is profaning the Lord's house as well as his day. So it's a, it's a solemn thing, this matter of the Lord's day. But yet, it's a wonderful thing. Because the Lord gives us this day for our good. All right, if you have those statutes, and again, I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I, I do want to just kind of let you see a few things. Some of we've already looked at, but I'm starting with the, the 1873. And these are the state of South Carolina now. Um, and, and there's some more of these. I think there's still some in the, in the back room here. Uh, if you if you want to get one, you're welcome to run out and get one. And I, I don't know how many are there, but they're over on that counter over on the back wall. And by the way, while I'm thinking about it, Chapter 22 should be out there uh, after the morning service. You can pick one up. Not sure, not likely to get to it next week, but probably the week after. Chapter 22 dealing with oaths and vows. All right. So. Um, and, and if we run out of these, if you want them, you know, let me know. I'll get more. In fact, I'll try to have more. Does anybody need anybody need one to just if you want one to look at? All right, good. So 
The first one, and I'm, I'm just going from the earliest uh, on through to the current, and obviously these aren't the only times the publication of our, of our laws, our state laws, are done. They're done with regularity. We just, I just made a copy of a few of them. So the first one, 1873, and it's a chapter. Now, this is part of the criminal code of the state, all right, because there are fines and there are penalties assessed if you don't observe it. And you can see the chapter, I mean, the, this whole chapter of the code has to do with observing the Lord's Day. And in Section 1, there's the penalty, no tradesman, artificer, or workman, laborer, or other person whatsoever shall do or exercise any worldly labor, business, or work of their ordinary callings upon the Lord's Day, commonly called the Sabbath. Interesting, isn't it, that they use the terms straight from Scripture? The Lord's Day? You know, we, we had that in our confession, which we read, now called, commonly called, the Lord's Day. Uh, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, John. All right? Um, the Lord's Day, commonly called the Sabbath, putting the two together. Protestant emphasis, obviously, there. Lord's Day, um, commonly called, the, or any part of it. So it's not all right to, to give the Lord part of it and then you take part of it and go do some of your work or any part thereof and then they accept out works of necessity or charity. Uh, and every person being of the age of 15 years or upwards offending pay a fine of $1. So under 15, they assume you're being influenced or directed by your parents and uh, parents wind up paying a fine. Can't sell, section two, you can't sell goods. Section three, no public sports, no common plays, interludes, football, other games, pastimes, aren't to do it on the Lord's Day. Section four, and this was very similar to what we just read. All and every person and persons whatsoever shall on every Lord's Day, that is what I read about the 1700s, apply themselves to the observation of the same, exercising themselves thereon in the duties of piety and true religion, publicly and privately, and having no reasonable or lawful excuse there to go to church, right? And if they don't, it was a $1 fine. And, and it's interesting, too, I think, that they associate with church prayer and preaching. You're, you're to go to church and, and benefit by the praying and the preaching. Again, this is civil government, right? This is a recognition by the general public because you've got people elected that I'm sure were not Christians that put this stuff in place. By the way, that requirement was gone by 1922. And then you weren't to be traveling on the Lord's Day. That was gone by 1922. The inn holder, the, the place where you could stay, be entertained maybe, food, drink, place to stay. If you weren't to travel on the Lord's Day, you didn't need a hotel. 
or a motel or whatever, all right? So those couldn't be open. That was gone by 1922. The part about the master, the mistress, the overseer, commanding and causing and encouraging any servant, they weren't to, to do this, shall, if, if they cause or encourage any servant to work on the Lord's day, they uh, were fined. Okay? And it's interesting, all the fines, chapter 9, section 9 of this one, all of the fines went to take care of the poor. They directed all the money collected for, for breaking the Lord's day was to be used for taking care of the poor. You know? We can learn a lot, can't we? 1922. Still had no working on the Lord's Day. Had the penalty for selling goods on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. That was gone by 1932. Public sports prohibited. Added hunting, shooting, chasing game, or fishing to the language that was there in 1873. No, uh, no laboring on the Lord's Day, and this one added corporations, companies, firms, as well as people. So you couldn't incorporate and use that inanimate entity to get away from the requirement of not working on the Lord's Day. Well, I didn't require these people to work. The company did. And the company can't go to church. And I guarantee you that was part of the argument that was made. I ain't looked up cases, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me because the reason this language appears, I would most likely suggest that it appears because somebody made that argument. And in criminal, in criminal statutes... If it's not clear, if it's ambiguous, you can't be convicted. At least you shouldn't be. All right? If it's not clear that if I do this, I violate the law, then it falls on the side of the potential criminal versus the side of the state. It's up to the state to make it clear. It's an argument that's made quite often in criminal cases. Well, the statute's ambiguous, Your Honor. You know, it wasn't clear. My client, you, there's nothing here that says he can't do this. That might be implied, but, Judge, it might be implied that it's not there, too. All right? You can't hold somebody accountable for what they don't know. Interesting, isn't it? The place of the Word of God for us and for the world in its entirety. God, you can't hold me accountable for what you didn't tell me. But I told you. Right there in my word, you had it. And you're guilty. Okay? Same principle. Same principle. So, I'm, I'm guessing somebody tried to get around it by making that argument, so they came and <laughs> amended the statute and said, you can't get by this 
by having your company, incorporating and having your company do this. All right? Disturbing religious worship and the sale of intoxicating beverages and profane language. Interesting. This was added in, in after 19, 1873, looks like maybe about 1912. Any person who shall willfully and maliciously disturb or interrupt any meeting, society, assembly, or congregation convened, for the purpose of religious worship, or shall enter such meeting while in a state of intoxication, or shall use or sell spiritous liquors, or use blasphemous, profane, or obscene language at or near the place of meeting, shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor, and shall on conviction be sentenced to pay, and so forth. Okay? Protection. Protection. What we read in Scripture. Civil government is to be a help. To God's people, to the church. And here we see it. All right? And you still have laws. You can't have, you know, your ABC stores and whatnot, uh, uh, your liquor stores within so many feet, of, especially of a church. Um, okay? So there's still some of that. But I find it interesting. You can't even be out there screaming. Taking the Lord's name in vain. So that was added. All right? And then in 1932, in 1932, still some of the same. Now the chapter heading is desecration of the Sabbath and of religious worship. Okay, and I'm not going through all the, all the sections. You can, I, I'm hoping maybe I'll stir your interest a little bit to, to read through some of these. Uh, we still have public sports prohibited. We still have, oh, we have, now we have public dance halls forbidden on the Lord's Day. Added since 1922, actually one year later. You hear a lot about the, the, the type of life in the 20s. That's what I would suggest to you brought this amendment in. People would rather go to the public dance hall than go to the church. So guess what? We're going to shut the public dance halls down. You need to be in church. We're not going to say you've got to go to church anymore. But we're not going to let you do this. We aren't going to let entertainment and something that we consider probably to be less than wholesome to impact, to even be a temptation to people. See the state working there? They don't require you to go to church now. But they can protect the neighborhood. When we pray... Again, think about these things. When we pray that God will move in our community, things like this make people sit up and take note. Would, it, would you ever prohibit some of this stuff now? We'll see in our current statute. No, you won't by law. 
But I want us to think about this as to our own testimony and the work of our church. Because again, it's the church's job to do this stuff. To make people aware. To, as it were, so instruct their people that they're not going to be tempted. Or they're not, I won't say they won't be tempted. The devil's going to do his best to tempt. So that they aren't, um, they aren't doing these things without warning. And encouraged to stay away, to do what's pleasing to the Lord. We have, um, still have the corporation stuff in here. Still have the disturbance of religious worship. Okay, but some things have gone away. I mentioned to you some things that disappeared from the last, in over the 10 years. That was a 10-year period. All right, and then today's. And we start headings just Sundays. Sundays. Interesting provisions inapplicable after 1.30 on Sunday. All right, we're going to give God until 1.30. After that, we can use it. Bob? Well, they haven't been entirely eliminated. I mean, this is, this is the current statute. Okay? This is the current statute. This is what applies right now. And, and you can see now, have they been, have they been gutted? Mm, yeah, in large part. And you'll see that when we kind of go through this uh, quickly here. So, we have now moved... By and large, the emphasis for keeping the Lord's Day, and if you read through these, just take note of this, we have moved the, the requirement of observing the Lord's Day, or at least how it is to be observed, from the master to the servant, from the overseer, the, the companies, the employers, the heads of household, still got them to some degree. But we've moved now so that it's up to the individual. I.e., if you're employed and your employer wants you to work on the Lord's Day, you can say, uh-uh. Right? Right here in this statute. Any employee of any business which operates on Sunday under the provisions of this section has the option of refusing to work and then if he's dismissed, if he's fired because of that, he can seek relief, gets damages, company can be ordered to rehiring. Interesting, no proprietor, Chick-fil-A in the mall, okay? Think Chick-fil-A in the mall. No proprietor of a retail establishment who is opposed to working on Sunday may be forced by his lessor or franchisor to open his establishment on Sunday, nor may there be discrimination against persons whose regular day of worship is Saturday. All right? So the mall, generally, if you are in the mall, you operate when it's open. That's kind of mall rules. 
because you're in there, everybody's there to benefit each other. If we're open, if the doors are open, if Belks is open or whatever is still there, Dillard's or what, Sears or whatever, if it's open, you're open. Right? You've had some to say, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not many. If you're a small retailer, you try that, you won't be there. But Chick-fil-A is no small retailer. Chick-fil-A is a draw for them six days a week. And they're not going to tell Chick-fil-A to get out of here. Right? Chick-fil-A pays them enough, probably pays them as much or more than guys who are open on Sunday just by the business they do. The Lord's blessing, I would suggest. So this is current law. Current law. Failure to enforce it is an act of neglect of duty, misconduct. Uh, if an officer says, eh, I'm not going to enforce this law. Right? Now, here we here start paying attention. And all, not that I hope you've been paying attention otherwise, but the uh, public sports... It shall be unlawful to operate for professional purposes, athletic events, public exhibitions, historic or musical entertainment, etc., without a permit. Okay? So we're going to let you do it, but you've got to put some money in our palm. All right? There's going to be a fee. We'll let you do it, but you're going to have to pay to do it. We also now start making other exceptions, right? Section uh, 53-1-15, now you can have automobile racing on the Lord's Day. As long as it's over 250 miles in length. Can't have drag racing, right? Can't can't have the little drag down the, the straightaway. As long as it's 250 miles, it's fine. Think of a race in South Carolina, a place, Darlington, right? Racing's big. Racing's big. Racing's big money, right? So we start carving out exceptions. Racing. I mean, that's that's the whole section. That one little se- just, okay. We, um, we exempt out college and university campuses. So you can violate the Lord's Day as long as you're on the university campus. And public sport, I mean uh, college sports on the campuses on the Lord's Day. Quite common now. Interesting, sad, isn't it? Young people that we ought to be influencing and giving some appreciation Instead, we are encouraging them. We encourage them to support your school, you know, loyal. Boom, we get a sporting event. How many college kids are going to go to church instead of the sporting event? Heard an announcer talking about, I don't remember what the deal was. But he was talking about a given player. 
Now, this was a, a, a guy that does announcing a good bit. He was talking about a player. He said something he said about Saturday and whatnot. And on Sunday, there was a player, a gentleman who was in South Carolina, a fellow by the name of Marcus Lattimore, who was a fairly good ball player, football player. But his comment was, Marcus got up early, and he'd take as many as he could get in his vehicle that would go to go to church. And he said, you know, I, I felt kind of guilty when I didn't go. That's the exception, though. I say the exception. Again, a lot of, a lot of comments, a lot of, when you hear it from these kids, well, I thank the Lord for the gift that he's given me, for letting me use it. I mean, they, they certainly give word recognition to the Lord. What's in their heart? I don't know. I'd like to think that they mean it. But keeping the Lord's day has not been emphasized or made important to them. You can be a Christian without having to worry about the Lord's day. Now, you ought to go at least sometime. You know, it's a good thing. Kind of expected. But hey, you can't get there. Hey, if, if you got to play the game on the Lord's Day and you got to be here and, well, you can't be at church if we've got pregame stuff at 11, you know. Now maybe they say, well, you can go to the early service. Maybe a benefit of early services. But uh, anyway, exemption for colleges and universities. Next exemption, county fairs. Amusement parks, okay? County fairs, amusement parks, entertainment. You'll get a common theme in here as you go through. Um, then we get, we get, after we've had all these things, we get, get to the section that says, on the first day of the week, commonly called Sunday, it shall be unlawful for any person to engage in worldly work, labor, business, da-da-da. So now, what they're doing here is they're still shutting down, or at least giving some lip service to shutting down all the other retail establishments. We've made some exceptions, but we're still, you can't sell your goods. All right, Belks, you can't be open until 1.30. Remember, 1.30, it said after 1.30, it doesn't apply. But up until 1.30, you can't be open. Right, And then there's a provision, I don't know, maybe there's a lot of Seventh-day Adventists in Charleston County, I don't know. Provided that in Charleston County, the foregoing shall not apply to any person who conscientiously believes, because of his religion, that the seventh day of the week ought to be observed as the Sabbath, and who actually refrains from secular business on that day. So then, if you do then on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, you can be open. Right? And then, though, we have this unlawful, and then we start carving out exceptions left and right. And you can see those. Sale of food needs, sale of tobacco and related products. Okay? Your little 7-Elevens and whatnot, getting your, getting your uh, gas, and yeah, you can go in there and buy your cigarettes and 
travel, transportation, public utilities. I mean, some of these things, yeah, okay. Providing of medical services and supplies, okay. You know, we need some of that. There are times you're sick on the Lord's Day and you need some medication. Sale of novelty, souvenirs, paper products, educational supplies, etc. You, you can read the exemptions uh, on and on. But having said that, then they come in with the next section and say, but you can't sell these things. And we're really, we're really cracking down. You can't, you can't sell clothing and clothing accessories except for swimwear, novelty, souvenirs, hosiery, undergarments. You can't sell housewares. So if you don't have anything to eat off of, you can't get it on Sunday. China, glassware, kitchenware. You know, we're, we're, really, we're really making people stay away for all the right reasons, huh? Um, Eighty. Section 53-1-80, Sunday work declared public nuisance, injunctive relief, time off to attend church. And they've so watered it down that this, this section is pretty much meaningless. But they can't get an injunction. If, if a store's open and they've got at least three employees, an employee can say, I'm, I want time off to go to church. Then we get a few more exemptions. Machine shops are exempt. Textile mills are exempt. We do, it's interesting, on page 6 of this section, 53-1-120, it shall be unlawful for any person to employ, require, or permit the employment of children to work or labor in any mercantile establishment or manufacturing establishment on Sunday. And it goes on, it's not just them. The, if you're a conscientious objector to it, you can then we accept out any business that requires continuous operation. If you need to not shut your machines down, you can keep going on the Lord's Day. Okay. And then they start tying in also revenue. These don't apply if the county is big enough and has a certain amount of revenue. And on top of that, the people in a the county, there's a provision that goes on, People in the county can vote. They can have a referendum. Should we clo be closed on the Lord's Day or open? So the people in a given location can say, yeah, let's be open. No blue laws. So, Bob, that's, that's kind of where a lot of it has gone by the way. Because either by revenue or by action, referendum, people have said, no, we, we don't want these. We don't want these. They're still there. They're still on the books. But in essence, they've made a way to get rid of them if the people in a given area want to get rid of them. So, interesting, isn't it, to see how things have progressed? And, you know, a lot of this now, just to kind of pull it together, and we'll do some of this and have done some of this already, but, you know, as you look at these, and you stop and consider where we are. Certainly, the devil and his devices, uh, you don't have to go to the race. You don't have to go and sit in the stadium. 
we got stuff and you can sit there and watch it while you're sitting in the pew at church. Talk about it, think about it, you know. It's all there. The devil has made it so, and, and you know, you've seen, I suspect I've seen, people who can't wait for the service to end so they can get out in the hall, flip out their phone, and see what the score is. I'm talking about good, what we would consider to be generally good Protestant churches. Not everybody. Not everybody. But the devil, the devil doesn't miss opportunities. Doesn't miss opportunities. Parents, grandparents, teach your kids early. The importance of keeping the Lord's day. If you don't, why should it mean anything to them? If you go about life as normal, why shouldn't they? Two things I mentioned, the changes, money and entertainment. The same two things that the devil uses to keep Christians away from God's house and from observing the Lord's day. Money and entertainment. One or both. And it's right there in front of you. You can see what influenced the legislatures, the legislators, in the, and I'm assuming most states are the same. What influenced them to make changes? Money, entertainment. All right? What's the alternative to Sunday blue laws? Well, well, we'll talk about it. My time's gone. We'll talk about that. We'll start there next week. Just think about it. So, we don't have any blue laws. How do we then make people aware? of keeping the Lord's day, all right? We'll talk about it next week. Father, again, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your day. Lord, teach us. Teach us what a wonderful day it is. Lord, let us experience the blessings you have for us and thereby learn Lord, to desire to experience, but then let us experience those blessings so that we come to understand why you gave us this day and the importance of keeping it. Lord, help us in our influence of others, parents with children, grandparents, friends, neighbors, employers, Lord, whatever it may be. Help us to make sure that we are holding before them the sanctity of thy day. So, Lord, be with us in the remainder of this day, especially as we would come to the time of worship in just a little while. Lord, prepare our hearts. Help us to prepare our own hearts to worship thee. We thank you again for your loving goodness to us in Christ. Lord, we thank you that 
Why, we don't know other than you've just loved us. Why this day even means anything more than the other days to us. Lord, that's a blessing in and of itself, regardless of what we do with the day. So, Lord, help us, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.